This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. This week, Colorado's history is rich, but not without controversy. He felt like he needed to push Uh, the tribal communities off of their indigenous homelands. And some pieces of our state's controversial past are now being called into question. Today, we have a real talk about changing the name of an iconic mountain peak that's acted as a reminder of generational trauma and racism. Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News is next. And a note, this week's episode contains some graphic descriptions that could be upsetting. Welcome to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel. Each week, in a partnership between Denver 7 and CPR, we'll have a real talk about issues impacting underrepresented people across Colorado. This week, we're looking at the process to rename Mount Evans, which overlooks the Front Range. And we begin with a history lesson about the Mount Evans name and why those with indigenous roots want our state to reconsider the way we honor a controversial governor. So it was really good to be back on the homelands. The homeland holds cherished memories for Morningstar Jones, whose Cheyenne ancestors lived on the Great Plains. So here we are just happy to be together, happy to visit. That homeland, though, also holds pain. The atrocities that were inflicted upon my relatives are still with us today. And it's called generational trauma. Trauma that's in her DNA. We are direct descendants of Sand Creek Massacre survivors. Um, And growing up here in Denver, we know the truth. Growing up, my family knew the truth. That truth is the reason she believes Mount Evans needs to be renamed. I want this mountain renamed so that I may teach my children, my grandchildren, to, so that I may raise them with my indigenous love instead of our colonial pain. Jason Hansen of History Colorado points to John Evans as the driving force behind the Sand Creek Massacre. In 1862, Evans was appointed the first territorial governor of Colorado by President Abraham Lincoln. He came to Colorado and saw uh, opportunity for development, specifically with the railroads. And uh, in his mind, one of the uh, uh, prerequisites for that was securing the land for American settlement. To do that, he felt like he needed to uh, push Uh, the tribal communities off of their indigenous homelands. He wrote to officials in Washington, D.C. asking for permission to uh, uh, raise a military unit, march them out to southeastern Colorado, where he attacked a peaceful camp of Cheyenne and Arapaho on November 29, 1864. Uh, He attacked at sunrise and killed at least 230 of the uh, about 700 people in that camp. Hansen explains Evans was later forced to resign because of the massacre, Nonetheless, in 1895, this prominent mountain overlooking what is now Denver was named Mount Evans. We show our pride in front of our house with the flag. For Morningstar Jones, Mount Evans is a daily reminder of the pain of her people. I've never been to Mount Evans specifically because of the name. It's just a daily reminder of genocide. That feeling you get when you see that mountain there and you know the impact it has, the name, the history that it is tied to, uh, it is something that just 
hits you right in the heart. And that name symbolizes so much more than just a mountain peak. Right, right. Very tough. We'll get into where the process stands right now to rename Mount Evans. But first, to continue this real talk about the lasting impact of the name, we spoke with Raylene Whiteshield. Raylene, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So what kind of reminder is it for you to see and hear the Mount Evans reference so prominently here along the Front Range in Denver? Uh, well, going back to be, being raised here in Colorado, uh, I am a Cheyenne an Arapaho enrolled citizen and um, I never learned about the Sand Creek Massacre in school and um, my children now that I have children that have gone through the public school system here I think maybe one or two of my kids have learned about Sand Creek or you know it's just something they did like they learned a paragraph about they didn't really learn about the atrocities of really what happened it was just pretty blanket 200, 230 uh, women, children, and elderly were killed. Yeah, turn the page. Yeah, next. Tur- yeah, next, and then we go on. And um, Evan, and then now my daughter goes to DU, and um, so just learning a whole lot about Evans and who he was, and how are we honoring a man so. Um, historic or so racist and so um, I guess evil you know Mm -hmm. in a sense and every day we hear you know we go past Evans I mean you know uh, there's so many things here in the Denver metro area um, regarding Evans and then I have to think about you know um, he was the one that said kill all hostile Indians like if I was alive in that time period like I was walking down the street I could be pretty much killed you know so or my children or my any of my family members so and it's this this back of mind thought that you know for many you say oh Mount Evans looks beautiful today oh we're gonna go up to Mount Evans today oh a picnic on Mount Evans right, right. it's just such a part of our daily lives without knowing that back history there's a lot of people who don't know this history which is why we're doing this show today because we want people to know Mm -hmm. this isn't a name that you just throw around this is a name that has a lot of pain attached to it right yeah it's almost a name like equivalent to like in our eyes as hitler you know like the um what he done to us as uh not just him but how he was able to um governor govern a militia and uh, govern people and to authorize like the parade that they had downtown of our body parts or um, you know um, infants you know that were not, that were from the womb and they're parading it down and selling selling um, it as trinkets on you know down lower downtown so that's something you know like who knows maybe somebody who has an old house in their attic and they have one of our body parts in their homes because they were sold as souvenirs. That is incredibly disturbing. Yeah. I do want to ask you this. Why now? Why do you think that there's a push now for the name change? Or is this an effort that's been going on for a long time that's just now receiving publicity? I feel like it's an effort that's been going on for a long time. Uh, my mom and my grandpa, my grandpa's John M. Hula, who the library, Denver Public Library is named after. I know they have been pushing um, ever since I was little, like to change like uh, names of rivers and streets throughout Colorado, not just within Denver area, but throughout Colorado, they have been trying to um, 
advocate for those changes and I'll sometimes you know it would fall on deaf ears or you know they would go, get so far and then would get knocked back down so it's not something that's new it's not something that oh all of a sudden somebody's like oh I don't like that name or this let's change it you know it's something that's been building up like progress over time and time um, and now we're finally here where we finally feel like we're um, have a foothold as far as in the um, Sorry. Uh, within the uh, government, government, and um, you know, you have to think about uh, Native Americans. We weren't citizens of our own countries till 1924. Like how, even a hundred years, we haven't been a citizen of the U.S. So um, you just go back historically, and I know a lot of people believe, oh, well, that's that's in the past. That doesn't matter. You know, this stuff, especially like boarding schools and things like that. Like I, my parents went to boarding school. My grandparents went to boarding yeah. school. Um, you know, my grandpa was born in a camp that was run by the U.S. I department. Mean, the, the question I have is that with all of this generational trauma, mm -hmm. is renaming a mountain or a river enough? It's a start. I think it's it's a start to repair a lot of the atrocities that we have gone through. You know, like we uh, suffered so much and we're the original peoples of this land and to be disregarded and not ever have a say, like we never had a say. Um, and then we're supposed to turn around and celebrate somebody who done so much atrocity to our people. So. Yeah. You know, historically, we have to think back, like, do we celebrate these types of people? Yeah. You know, people who done mass murders, like, we don't do that. We don't celebrate hate, you know? Raylene Whitefield, I want to tell you, I know this is emotional labor to recount some of this painful history. So I, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today and to have this real talk. Thank you. Thank you. Next, this real talk about the efforts to change the name of Mount Evans takes a look at the process of how we got where we are. We hear from the chair of the state's Geographic Naming Advisory Board, as well as explore the significance behind a popular proposal for a new name. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. I'm Denver 7's Micah Smith. And I'm Colorado Public Radio's Nathan Haffel. Today we're having a real talk about the process to rename Mount Evans and remove reference to Colorado's former governor. So if not Mount Evans, then what name would be best? There's one name that is standing out above the rest. For native people like Connor Ryan. I'm a professional skier for Patagonia and Solomon and Natives Outdoors. The past year has been spent advocating for the Mount Blue Sky name. Origin of the name is that, you know, other tribes called the Arapaho the blue sky people for residing here under this blue sky. And now we're all here under this blue sky. The Cheyenne tribe has an annual ceremony called Blue Sky. Ryan and supporters of the name change have done prayer walks, formed a coalition, and used word of mouth to advocate for the change. But Ryan knows not everyone will agree. I think it's important to remember in the first place that all these places had indigenous names originally. And I think there's been a, a very concerted effort of cancellation of, of our cultures and our names for places. Um, and so I think that there's, 
You know, there needs to be a little bit of balance in those conversations. You know, this is really interesting because while Mount Blue Sky has really caught on, some of the Northern Cheyenne people actually oppose the name because of its connection to a tribal ceremony. They say a name like that should be held sacred to Native people. Because of that opposition to the new name, a federal board deferred a vote on officially naming Mount Evans until a further date. It was back in March when the U.S. Board of Geographic Names deferred the vote. The Mount Blue Sky name was supported by some tribal leaders, Governor Polis and Colorado's own renaming board. The U.S. Board says it plans to have government-to-government consultation with tribal leaders to discuss the Mount Blue Sky name. For more real talk on this renaming process, we spoke with Tim Mock. He chairs the Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board. Tim, thank you so much for taking time to chat about this with us. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Tim, bring us back. When did conversations on this start and how did you get involved? You know, actually, since I've been uh, around, I can remember conversations going back to 2018. And I think that some of the original submissions to rename Mount Evans uh, were registered with the U.S. Board of Geographic Names about that time, 2019. uh, And then through 2022, did we see uh, proposals to rename it? So what goes into this decision? Public comments, meetings, things like that. How does it play out? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a rather complex process. Uh, anybody from the public may submit a uh, naming proposal uh, to the U.S. Board of Geographic Names, who holds the sole authority on making the final determination of, of the name. As part of that process, there are state naming advisory bodies. And uh, Governor Polis uh, created one out of an executive order in uh, 2020 and it's a 15-member board that uh, receives those proposals from the U.S. Board of Geographic Names. Uh, we then, especially in terms of Mount Evans, uh, it goes towards the, we seek out a recommendation from the local community, in this case, Clear Creek County and the, the, the county commissioners. The Clear Creek County commissioners held three public meetings to uh, discuss uh, the various naming proposals. There were six that were, were submit, submitted. And from that, they engaged the public stakeholders to provide public comment uh, presentations. And they had held that over the course of, like I said, about uh, three separate meetings, ultimately uh, arriving at recommending to the Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board, uh, replacing Mount Evans with uh, Mount Blue Sky. A lot of community input. Yeah. Uh, we know one voice that's very important is that of tribal leaders. So what is your relationship like with tribal leaders and what kind of insight did you get from them? Oh, it's, 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 it's very important, uh, our relationship with, with tribal leaders and, and, and Native people. Uh, we actually, the, the Naming Advisory Board, we held two separate meetings ourselves, two public meetings. The first meeting we set up with uh, members of the various tribes to come on in uh, inf- educate us on the atrocities of, of uh, the Sand Creek Massacre and uh, Governor Evans' uh, role in um, uh, supporting that. And uh, from that, uh, we, we, we learned a tremendous amount of, of, of information and then rolled that into a second meeting where we listened to the uh, proposals from the proponents of the, the, the six individual proposals and ultimately decided that uh, we would support uh, recommending Mount Blue Sky to Governor Polis. So all of these meetings, that name was decided, put forward. How do you feel about the U.S. Board deferring the vote on this name change? Well, consultation between tribes and uh, the federal government, it's a government-to-government dialogue. And it is a very important step. And so to the degree that the Northern Cheyenne had requested a consul- consultation, uh, that is something that, that 
they are allowed to do and we support that and we support the, the consultation uh, process and that's for the, the the federal government the u.s board of geographic names to conduct uh and so we'll wait to see what the outcomes of of those conversations are this may seem like an obvious question, but what is the overall goal here? I mean, clearly you've heard from community members who say this is painful. You're considering that new name. What do you want all Coloradans to feel with this new name or, or what's the goal here? We have 54 uh, iconic uh, 14,000 foot peaks and we should uh, name these places uh, names that we all can be proud of. And uh, as far as our public lands and our outdoors go that are welcoming to all. And so ultimately that is the goal is to, to arrive at uh, a name that, that we can all be proud of and that we can all support. And we can look at, up at that mountain. I live actually in Idaho Springs, kind of in the shadow. And um, that would bring me great joy is that, that we actually name this in a way that, that we all respect and appreciate. I mean, with that said, are there other Colorado landmarks, mountains, rivers, et cetera, that you'd be looking at possibly renaming? Oh, lots. Um, right now, uh, we've worked through about 34 names uh, ourselves with the uh, Colorado Geographic Naming uh, Advisory Board. And there are actually countless uh, features, geographic features throughout Colorado that have various degrees of derogatory names. Um, and some of those are, are, are pending for us right now that we will resume uh, in the next couple of months to, to hear. And we expect also to receive more proposals to rename some of these features. And then um, the Secretary of Interior, uh, Deb Holland, has actually issued a secretarial order to remove derogatory names uh, from our landscapes. And we are waiting for that process to really get underway. And the uh, Colorado, Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board will provide comments on those uh, and make some recommendations to U.S. Uh, Board of Geographic Names, and, and, and as part of that process, we'll invite all Coloradans to uh, participate. The process is ongoing. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this Real Talk, Tim Mock. Thank you. Our Real Talk on the Mount Evans renaming process takes us back to the Sand Creek Massacre site next. Learning lessons from our past goes beyond renaming a mountain peak. We look at the new interest in the Sand Creek Massacre site. This is Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Welcome back to Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Today, we're having a real talk about the efforts to rename Mount Evans, which overlooks the Front Range. The issue at hand is whom the 14,000-foot mountain peak is named after. It is named after Territorial Governor John Evans, who was forced to resign for his role in instigating the Sand Creek Massacre. More than 150 years after the Sand Creek Massacre, different organizations across our state are working to properly tell the stories of the Sand Creek Massacre. One of those organizations is History Colorado. Back in November, the History Colorado Center opened a new Sand Creek Massacre exhibit. It offers Coloradans who can't make it to the Sand Creek site in southeastern Colorado a chance to explore this often untold history. The exhibit is still open right now at the History Colorado Center. You can visit it right in downtown Denver near the state capitol. The historic site in the town of Eads in southeastern Colorado is seeing an uptick in visitors as well. And that's really part of a bigger trend, showing there's a renewed interest in lessons learned from the past. Here's reporter Vanessa Mashanya. 
There are a lot of options for tourism across the country, but experts say that there has been a recent increase in interest to visit places that highlight the more painful sides of American history, like right here at the site of the Sand Creek Massacre. And those same experts say that that has a lot to do with the events of modern history. When the attack came, um, you were attacking a village of, of elderly and women and children. Rick Walner is a retired National Park Service ranger who was stationed here at the site of the Sand Creek Massacre, where in 1864, more than 230 peaceful members of the Apache and Cheyenne tribes were brutally killed by American Union soldiers. You sit here and you, you look out on this peaceful scene, but it was a scene of terror. He now is the head of Canyons and Plains Regional Heritage Task Force in southeastern Colorado. That's home to several historical sites that highlight painful truths of America's past. Something that he has been noticing, an uptick in visitors to these sites, which are hours away from any urban center. We've certainly seen an increase in interest in, in the area and what things happen down here. It's a trend travel experts say has been mimicked nationwide. Consultancy Longwoods International, which specializes in long-term travel trends, says travel to historical sites has been on the rise since pre-pandemic. CEO Amir Ailan says in a statement that the recent questioning of the country's evolution has created a growing interest in these sites and storytelling. He says more people are traveling for a purpose to draw their own conclusions on American history. From sites having to do with civil rights to the Civil War, he says those with good interpretations have been getting a lot of attention. The Reckonings has put a new spotlight on history. Shannon Vorl is the director of exhibition at the Museum History Colorado in downtown Denver. She's seen people in general more interested in American history. Feel what it might have felt like if you can even start to imagine, have some empathy for those kids, those victims, and the folks after the fact and what they needed to do to survive and how they are still surviving and remembering and dealing with the trauma. You have to stop and think, what, what would be the mindset that would allow humans to do that to other humans? Historians like Rick hope this interest continues, especially, he says, as many of the answers to modern difficulties lie in the past lessons and tragedies of ancestors. We're all human and we share this planet together. And when you start looking at someone as less human, it, it can lead to terrible things. It eats Colorado. I'm Vanessa Mishanya. And that's this week's episode of Real Talk with Denver 7 and CPR News. Every week, we'll be having a real talk on issues that impact Coloradans who are often overlooked. You can find all of our shows on denver7.com slash realtalk or at cpr.org slash realtalk. Have a great day.